everyone. Welcome to this edition of Executive Interviews on Tech Investment Insights. Today we'll be speaking with Matt Bartoloni of State Street Global Advisors. He, uh, State Street currently is an investment management company with over $2.7 trillion in assets. And we're very excited today to, uh, to speak with Matt, who is a vice president and head of SPDR ETF Americas Research at State Street. And so thank you so much, Matt, for joining us today. Um, what is your uh, thank you. role? Yeah. That, what so, is your, I was so say, yeah, my, yeah, my role ahead. at State Street is basically, you know, I'm the head of research for our ETF business uh, here in the Americas. Mm-hmm. And, and in my role and my team is really to inform and educate investors on the ETF business, as well mm-hmm. as provide our insights into market trends. Uh, as well as provide our market commentary to make sure investors can you know have all the relevant information before making that decision. Mm-hmm. So we provide market commentary, thought leadership, as well as ideas mm-hmm. around portfolio construction and what ETFs can do for you for your portfolios. Mm-hmm. Well, sounds very exciting, and certainly with uh, many investors looking for direction in the market right ma- right now amid the uh, volatility of the past few months, uh, I think a lot of people will certainly uh, be looking for those kind of insights. And so on that point, actually, so the markets have been relatively stagnant and very volatile, especially domestically uh, these past few months compared to 2017, where we saw a relatively easy and straightforward rise. Why do you think this is the case? And uh, where do you think the market might be headed over this the remainder of uh, the year? Yeah, in a, in a recent research note, we put it as, you know, the market is climbing sideways, looking for the next catalyst to move higher. And a lot of that has to do with some of the catalysts that were driving the gains in 2017 and then in January to start the year have somewhat waned. So we might be at this, uh, you know, this this part of the cycle where it's maybe a, a peak earnings growth and peak coordination. So earnings growth has you know been really strong for Q1, but you started to see you know four out of the 11 gig sectors have lower growth in Q2. And essentially, 10 out of the 11 gig sectors have forecasted growth within 2019 to be lower uh, than it, when it was when we first started reporting earnings in Q1. So there's sort of a downward revision trend going on. So this idea that it, the market is, you know, this is as good as it gets is sort of starting to grip hold. At the same time, you know, the we're sort of might be past this idea of peak coordinated uh, global growth. And that has uh, introduced some near-term negative sentiment from headline perspective, whether it's trade or geopolitical risk. So I think the market's trying to find its footing uh, as we head deeper into into Q2 and towards the the summer months. Mm -hmm. Uh, Earnings might be one of those, uh, but still you're going to start to have these normal volatile events that investors have to withstand. Mm -hmm. Yes, certainly earnings... uh always uh, uh, send the market you know, into whatever direction. And certainly so for, for the remainder of the year as well, so a lot of people now are worried about the potential impact of things such as tariffs or now high oil prices. What do you think are the, the biggest risks in a particular to the markets in the upcoming future? Yeah, I mean, so I think we're definitely getting more into this late cycle environment with higher inflation, clearly higher rates, a stronger dollar has also coincided with this. So we're starting to see, you know, to your point with higher oil prices, we're definitely seeing investors allocate more towards energy-related segments of the marketplace as well as materials because you're having those higher producer prices. And that has, you know, obviously impacted some firms like industrials, to your point around tariffs. Uh, those industrial-type conglomerates will have to, you know, incorporate that into their margins. And that has, you know, led towards 
you know, from an ETF perspective, we've seen outflows within industrials and inflows into energy. Um, you know, looking ahead of sort of the risks to the marketplace, you know, clearly geopolitical risk in the midterm elections within the U.S. is likely going to drive a lot of that narrative, you know, come this fall. Uh, but, you know, I think the idea of uh, political gridlock is something that we've somewhat come accustomed to. And so I think that might be a little bit of a head fake for the marketplace. I think the biggest risk for uh, investors to appreciate is what's going on within the yield curve. So mm -hmm. if we're thinking about a policy mistake or policy risks, it might not be coming from the fiscal side of the house, more monetary. Uh, mm -hmm. If the Fed does hike too, too uh, harshly, where it sort of chokes off growth, I think that's probably the risk. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things we're looking at is the yield curve. Mm -hmm. uh, does it continue to become inverted? Because you're having this, you know, high, basically rate hikes at a time where the output gap uh, is starting to get you know closer to zero. So I think that needs to be really weighed heading into the uh, end of the year, and that's why we think investors, you know, focusing on the short end of the curve from a fixed income perspective has been you know something that you know, you'd want to consider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, certainly when it has to see what the, the Federal Reserve does, uh, certainly their actions over the past few years since it began raising rates uh, uh, several years ago have been uh, uh, always the uh, always been the focus of a lot of market commentary. Um, and so State Street itself, it's uh, one of the world's largest investment managers. Uh, it currently has roughly uh, $2.8 trillion in assets, uh, which puts it at currently uh, about the third largest in the U.S. and the fourth largest in the world. And so that's pretty incredible. Um, and so how does State Street stand out among investment managers and certainly have a wide array of products and uh, funds, of course, that make this up? But uh, what do you think is the, the key, what are the key factors behind why State Street has been so successful? I mean, I think part of it is, you know, we're innovators with purpose. You know, we mm -hmm. innovated when we launched Spy, uh, as well mm -hmm. as uh, other products like GLD. And then recently with SHE, our gender diversity ETF, you know, promoting uh, you know, more diversity within the boardroom. Mm -hmm. But beyond being innovators, we're, you know, we also are, you know, craftsmen. We are crafted, mm -hmm. you know, these products that we have and offers and our solutions and strategies were crafted by experts. I mean, we've been in these mm -hmm. in this industry providing asset allocation management for you know for decades mm -hmm. uh, as well as ETF solutions for a broad set of investors mm -hmm. and I think the last well, the last thing is really um, we're built with partnerships we love to partner with uh, clients and, and, and other um, people within the industry and companies and this goes all the way back to when we launched spy it was a partnership with the Amex that really you know brought this product and really the ETF ecosystem completely to life Mm -hmm. And these partnerships continue. I mean, even this past fall, uh, and we partnered with TD Ameritrade to bring low-cost core solutions to their clientele. Mm -hmm. And that's just another example of that. But overall, mm -hmm. it really couldn't be, we couldn't be able to provide these without the skilled investment management teams that we have here at State Street. You know, we are able to offer very skilled and precise beta solutions, mm -hmm. as well as active quantitative equities, all the way to asset allocation management. So I think mm -hmm. when we think about it, it's that innovation with a purpose, our partnerships, mm -hmm. and the fact that we're craftsmen at, and at delivering these solutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and certainly it's been uh, very impactful. I mean, you don't grow to 2.8 trillion ass uh, assets under management without uh, having something being done right. And so, and certainly with uh, Spy in particular, I mean, it's been around for now, I believe about 20 years and has... 20, 25, oh, actually. 25, wow. I mean, 25th birthday. Yeah, I mean, I think it was one of the first ETFs out there and the fact it's the I think the most popular um, 
uh, broad-based uh, domestic uh, uh, index uh, or uh, ETF is uh, pretty impressive. I think what, what like two hundred yeah. billion right now. So around two hundred and fifty billion. I mean, okay, I think wow. from from my perspective, State Street we're the creator of the world's first ETFs. Hmm. So that goes beyond just spy, but also ETFs from in Hong Kong, Australia, hmm. and you know our. Uh, Pan Pacific Asian Bond Fund is also an element of that innovation that we do bring to the marketplace. Yeah, certainly a very impressive record. Um, and so on that point as well. So it was a uh, uh, so State Street is currently launching several new types of ETFs to focus in particular on high innovation sectors. And so mm -hmm. at Tech Investment Insights, we focus a lot on technology in particular, and uh, certainly the technology sector seems to not only have been very impactful this past decade, but seems to be changing dramatically even more over not just this upcoming decade, but the next, uh, say, like three to five years. I mean, who knows what it'll yeah. look like exactly by then. And so um, how do these ETFs, like what, what is the, the goal here and what do they offer that is new in particular? And so what, what are they all about? So, you know, I think when we look at the evolving shape of the, you know, our economy, you know, how we live, how we work and how we travel, mm -hmm. you know, we want to be able to provide solutions to investors that are able to harness that because it has an impact on every fabric of our society. Mm -hmm. You think of how we are able to transport from our, you know, from one, from our house to work by, you know, hailing a, a car with a, with our app, with an app. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what we did is we partnered with a, uh, an index provider, Kensho, and, and they have, you know, a, a very deep background in data science and machine learning. Mm -hmm. They're able to leverage um, regulatory filings to figure out what companies are saying about their products and services mm -hmm. to align with what we're obviously, you know, adhering to is the idea of the fourth industrial revolution, the rise of artificial intelligence and more mm -hmm. robotics and automation. So you can capture things like smart transportation or intelligent infrastructure because that, you know, not to use a pun for smart transportation, but that's the direction of travel. You know, you're having more interconnected systems and, you know, that is one area that could be a beacon of growth. You know, if we just think about how the smartphone revolution um, changed, you know, things like, you know, being able to, to drive around in, in the city uh, in the backseat of a stranger's car and not feel, um, you know, not feel in any danger. So, you know, we really want to be able to provide those solutions to investors that can harness the next leg of growth and really the idea of the fourth industrial revolution, where you have so many different uh, elements of technology being fused together to really change the way we live, work, travel, and in every fabric of our daily lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, so it's going to be uh, exciting uh, next few years. And to clarify as well on those ETFs, so um, I know recently many ETFs have been engaging. Since so the thing I think is a lot of exciting tech companies right now are still private companies. They haven't gone public yet. I mean, like Uber, uh, as you were alluding to, has not mm -hmm. gone public yet. Um, will those ETFs be engaging only in public securities or in uh, private placement ones as well? Or is that so? Uh, it's it's you know it's an index based approach. Okay. So we uh -huh. look at uh, any basically the universe. Uh, is any publicly listed uh, stock traded within the oh, U.S. Uh -huh. But that's really the, where the constraints stop because it really, to your point, the technology sector is being redefined on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. um, and what is new technology, but also what is contributing? What is that ecosystem mm -hmm. to smart transportation? So I always go back to the idea of, you know, within the smart transportation ETF we have, Mm -hmm. There's a company that was founded in the 1920s that built cars with, you know, Fiat Chrysler. So how can they be smart transportation? And I always go back to it that 
in order to be smart transportation, you need to have a car first. And so car makers are so much involved and it's not just, you know, a, a firm like NVIDIA who is making mm -hmm. these semiconductor chips within those cars. Mm -hmm. So I think being able to, you know, somewhat redefine the, uh, mm -hmm. the boundaries of what a sector will look like from a, a fourth industrial revolution perspective is really where we're headed. And I think we want to be able to, you know, align our products and services to the interests of our clientele and how they want to position their portfolios looking looking mm -hmm. into the future. Yeah, it certainly makes sense. I mean, technologies aren't just within one company themselves. They affect uh, the doings of many companies. And so, yeah, it sounds exciting to look at it on a more uh, interconnected level. And so, yeah, certainly mm -hmm. the, the entire economy is going to be, be uh, continuing to be transformed uh, as that moves forward. And so for investors in this market currently who are looking at the horizon for the, uh, the next few years then, so what do you think they should most keep in mind or like what kind of like methodology should they use? What should they think about when looking at this market or these upcoming changes? Yeah, so I mean, I think the I would say, you know, in the near term, some of the biggest you know things to really consider is how, you know, the traditional GICS taxonomy is changing in September. Where to, you know, even just our earlier conversation around the technology sector, you know, those lines are being redrawn where companies like Facebook and Google are actually being moved to communication services. So, you know, mm -hmm. using that as a launching point, really knowing what you own and knowing mm -hmm. if you're looking for a, a solution that can provide you exposure to the future of security, you know, how we are defending ourselves from cyber security attacks. As well as, you know, there's been so much work done on ex exploring how we could tap into the, you know, the evolution of space and the militarized mm -hmm. uh, weaponry that could be used in space. So how would you do that? Would you just buy an aerospace and defense uh, exposure or would you actually look for uh, a complete solution that is forward looking and dynamic and able to capture different elements of the future of security? So I think investors really need to think about how and why you would implement these into portfolios and what is your true exposure that you're getting. So if you want something more thematic and more forward-looking or dynamic, I think something you know, like the new funds that we rolled out with Kencho, I think would be an ideal solution given the really unconstrained nature of them. They're able mm -hmm. to redraw those boundaries and give you the exposure you might be looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it certainly makes sense. Every day in the news, we read about new hacks or breaches, and, uh, mm. and certainly there's a, a lot of business opportunities for companies uh, and public companies in, in that sphere. Um, and so one, one last question then. Um, and so ETFs overall have seen a massive boom these past few years, um, especially these, these uh, last uh, five to ten years or so. Um, and so what do you think is the cause behind this interest of this quote-unquote ETF revolution? And Mm -hmm. uh, how do you think it's going to play out with uh, the decline in interest relatively in active management uh, in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think a, you know a good portion of it comes down a little bit to you know cost and to some extent performance. Mm -hmm. So even if we're just looking in last year, fifty-seven percent of all ETF flows went to what we would deem low-cost uh, ETF mm -hmm. solutions. This year, I think we're around seventy-five percent. Some of that has to do with a little bit of mixed shift, so to speak, with some of the higher fee strategies witnessing outflows based on some of the, you know, they might be the more tactically traded. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, investors are looking to ETFs not only from that cost, but also, you know, performance. To your point, you know, active management, specifically within the U.S. equity space, is really not 
um, been as robust as it had been in the you know 90s or early 2000s. So investors are rethinking about how much they're paying for performance and you know being in line with the benchmark at the fees that are out there I think is attractive. But the other part goes to it is being able to allocate efficiently across multiple different asset classes in a similar manner. The way you're able to buy U.S. large cap equities with something like SPY, you could actually do very similarly mm-hmm. with to an emerging market debt fund. You know, same type of experience from, uh, for the most part, from a, a trading and allocation uh, perspective. So I, I think that's really what's brought on this, you know, evolution of ETFs and the increase mm-hmm. in usage. But we also can't discount the fact that it's created a whole other ecosystem. I mean, just even within our own family at State Street ETFs, mm-hmm. we we have roughly around 67% of the open options interest notional on ETF options. And those are very complex trades that are being put on with you know, very basic index-based instruments. And, that, and that's really what the ETF ecosystem can bring, mm-hmm. where you can put on an exotic put-call spread on you know, regional banks while also allocating to U.S. large caps for just three basis points. Mm-hmm. So ETFs are really democratizing investing and being able to create efficient, flexible, and really tactical portfolio management. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, we'll see many innovations in the technology sector as well as even in the, uh, the financial services sector itself. And so definitely uh, very exciting times for the market. And so uh, thank you so much, uh, Matt Bartoloni, uh, CFA, Vice President at State Street and Head of uh, America's ETF Research. Uh, thank you so much again for your time. Thank you.